You're listening to The Intentional Podcast, co-hosted by Caitlin and Mackenzie. We hope you enjoy today's intention. Welcome back, listeners. Uh, We are here today, kind of. Unfortunately, Mackenzie is unable to join us for this interview, uh, but I do have another fellow Wisconsinite on with us today um, to chat about one of my favorite topics of finances. Um, And here in the new year, we've kind of been talking about different topics that people kind of just want to change up about their new year, whether it be money, time, uh, their fitness, whatever topic they are getting those New Year's resolutions in with. Uh, but today we get to talk about one of mine, like one of my favorites, like I said, and we have Libby Brooks here with us. Super excited to chat with her. Um, I connected with her, seen her uh, stuff on TikTok. So maybe you've already seen her content um, because it is fabulous for us in our 20s, 30s and beyond. Uh, but I won't take up too much of her time. I'm excited to chat with her, but just a little bit about her before diving right in. She, like I said, fellow Wisconsinites. Um, she graduated from Miami University, actually, in Ohio with a mechanical engineering degree. Uh, and she found herself there because she was on Team USA um, in high school for ice skating. So, like, how cool is that? Um, I found that to be a really cool fact that I didn't know about her. Uh, and she's just been obsessed with making money and being creative. So uh, Libby, welcome to the Intentional Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be on. Yes, I am very excited to chat about finances and I guess maybe tell our listeners a little bit more of what you want them to know about you and maybe how you've already come across some of your own financial successes. Yeah, so I guess we can start back at the beginning. Uh, Like you mentioned, I went to Miami University originally because I was on Team USA with ice skating. I majored initially in mechanical engineering my freshman year, and I made this promise to myself in an entry-level class that I was sitting in where a professor said, look to your left, look to your right. Half of the people that are in this room aren't going to be here when you graduate. And I sat there in that class and I was like, there's no way some fugly old white man, quite frankly, is going to tell me whether or not I can get my degree in mechanical engineering. And uh, really, really what fueled wanting to major in engineering, um, while I loved being creative, I've always loved being creative, took all the art classes I could in high school, um, I really came from a background that motivated me to want to have a really successful high paying career uh, once I got out of school. And reality kind of hit me when I was looking up jobs um, in the creative space, which at the time I knew nothing about. Really, all I was looking at was like elementary school art teacher, Uh, looking up those salaries and kind of realizing like, okay, well, maybe I should look into something else if this is the reality I'm kind of chasing after. So that's kind of how I landed upon um, engineering and why I stuck with it and like how I got to where I am today. I love that. I myself, I was a chemistry major and about junior year in, I was like, what am I doing? Like, I really liked being creative. I was kind of getting into like the fitness space. I just wanted something different. But to your exact point, I was like, I also want to provide a like lifestyle that's one for it was just me at the time, obviously, but then 
for my future family and mm-hmm. certain careers just were not going to offer that. So I appreciate you being just like blunt and open of like, hey, like we have to figure out how to fund the life that we want to live. Um, so I guess fast forward to today, like where do you see yourself in terms of uh, working in that mechanical engineering space, but like obviously dabbling and getting creative again? Yeah. So I started right out of school working on power plants in the steam turbine industry. And if you're listening to this podcast and you know nothing about that industry, it's because nobody does. I didn't either. And it was just kind of one of those things where it was (laughs) the first job that was offered to me. And like, you know, like we've been talking about, I really wanted to reach this financial reality. So I took it kind of knowing that like, okay, this isn't going to be my dream job. It's probably not going to fulfill all my career desires. And that's when I started my Instagram and TikTok. You know, I was thinking, what can I do? I love being creative, trying to go back to my roots because I was going all throughout high school, um, you know, being in these more creative and art classes. And I was, it was a pandemic, you know, it was 2020. And I was like, I'm not seeing people anyway. So if I post cringy things on the internet, I don't have any, like there's no negative impact because like I can't see anybody. So it's not like I'm going to see people out at the bars or like see people at the grocery store and they're like, oh, you know, like whispering, like she's trying to be an influencer. Like there was none of that. So it really kind of removed the fear of posting online. I found that I really liked it and it really aligned with, um, you know, the creative desires that I had at the time. And, um, you know, it's really kind of stuck with me. It's actually something that I think helped me stick out when I applied to get my second job, which is where I'm currently working at. Um, Mm -hmm. And I openly talked about it in my interviews because when I would get the question, like, what do you do outside of work? What do you do in your free time? I got to talk about this platform or platforms, I guess, that I've built while working a full-time job. And my current employer, the people that I was talking to in the interviews really appreciated that because they're like, oh, wow, that's really cool that you don't just like go home and sit on the couch and watch TV and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think like in a sea of candidates, that's really what helped me stick out. And um, yeah, that's kind of like how I got to where I am today. That's amazing. I mean, I personally appreciate someone that, like you said, has a little bit more ambition in terms of we are like in such a time in our life where we can go and do those things and have the flexibility in our schedules to really go and kind of just make more money right now for Mm -hmm a more thriving 40s, 50s, 60s and stuff later on. Um, So in your current uh, content, obviously, you do speak a lot about finances. What have been some of your like financial budgeting non-negotiables? I mean, I know you're on a no spend January, which is fabulous because I I need one of those. (laughs) I would say some of my non-negotiables are you know, obviously the necessities, that's the whole point of budgeting. We want to make sure we can cover our necessities like food, housing, um, any medical expenses, stuff like that. But I think really what it comes down to is budgeting should not be restrictive. And I think a lot of times when people online talk about things like no spend January, there's a lot of backlash because it's like, oh, well, that's so restrictive because you're denying yourselves what you would otherwise be spending your money on. And I think we can like reframe that a little bit in that you can afford to pay for these little luxuries if you plan for it. And so some of the things that I like to plan for are getting my hair done, getting my nails done. I mean, I'm, I'm such a girly girl, so I love paying for expenses like that. And I will cut out priorities or activities or events such as traveling or, 
um, you know, doing some entertainment things that month just so that I can get my hair done. And I think it's a great example to show that like budgeting and personal finance is totally customizable. And so you can create your budget and adjust, you know, things within your budget as you see fit. And the way that I set up my budget, you know, allocating enough money to go get my hair colored every couple of months is definitely not going to be a one size fits all for everybody. And mm-hmm. so you can really kind of take the things that are important to you and fund it with more money um, each month. And I think that's what I really like about budgeting the most. Yeah. I love that you mentioned that because everyone is going to have those different priorities. Like for me, a big one is travel. So it goes higher Mm -hmm. up on the list of what I'm setting money aside for. But at the same time, like if you want to go get your nails done every month, every other month, like whatever it may be, I think that's just important to know when you yourself are setting up your customizable plan. Like you mentioned, I think that's great. When it comes to kind of just in this age that we are in, how did you personally become more financially aware in order to uh, budget better so that you can do these things that you want to do? I think it was, (laughs) it's kind of a negative story, but um, it's just like with, with COVID, I was sitting in my room one day, Um, obviously there was like not much to do. And it was kind of like one of those epiphany moments because my need to shop or like my want to buy new things had gotten so bad to the point where there was this one night it was a Thursday night and I stayed up until one in the morning and I kept refreshing my bank app just so that I could wait until I saw my next paycheck hit because I already had things. I already had like three or four tabs open across free people, aloe, um, I don't know, any other trendy clothing stores, you name it, Urban Outfitters. And I already had things sitting in my cart and I had calculated the amount of money of all these things combined totaled up to my monthly paychecks at the time I was living with my parents and um, really the only expenses I had were my car payment and student loans were paused. So I didn't even have student loans at that point. But anyway, I had sat and I had preemptively found all these things that I wanted to purchase, waited until my paycheck hit. And then I went, buy, 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 buy. And in one hour, my checking account went from whatever amount it was, say it's like $1,500 or whatever it was down to 200. And the next day I was kind of like, Oh my God, I have a problem. (laughs) What the heck? (laughs) I was like, that was a little bit psycho of me that I just stayed up and like lost sleep just so that I could buy these things. And it's, and I think what's like over the years really developed is like, I don't even remember what I bought. Like I don't, those things, those items, did not add any longstanding value to my life. And so I think like that next day is when I opened up a spreadsheet and like created my first stab at like a budget spreadsheet. And I think I just started kind of opening my eyes or I don't know, being uh, more cautious of what I was actually spending my money on. You know, I did this exercise where I printed out a bank statement and I went through with a highlighter and I highlighted all the things that I could remember what I spent my money on. And there was like four things. And I was like, oh my God, I don't even know what I'm spending my money on. And so it was kind of just like all these little things added up to an epiphany where I was like, holy cow, I, you know, I, I sacrificed so much in college to get this job that would allow me to have all this money. And now I have the job, I have all the money and I'm not even using it to fuel what I have been dreaming of for for so long, this life that I wanted to live. And so I kind of like took a step back and I was like, whoa, 
my actions totally aren't aligning with the goals that I had for myself. And, you know, things started to fall into place there. But that's really the big like epiphany moment for me, the big turning point where I was like, whoa, I need to create a budget ASAP. Yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that story. And I, I want to unpack a few things in that because I think there's so many good points. Um, first, just being like the awareness of like, hey, I need to print out my bank statement and highlight mm-hmm. where my money's actually going. Because I think that's the first step is so many people don't know where it's going. And when you did that, what I guess, obviously you kind of mentioned like you were like, whoa, like that was a psycho moment. Like what do you need to fix? But aside from that, like, were you able to then kind of track like, okay, this is my necessities. Like, did it help you figure that out too? It did. And I think the, the a bit, really big thing that it helped me with is understanding my triggers. So a lot of times with impulsive shopping, you know, we make impulsive purchases because we see certain things. It's a certain time of day or a certain time of week, or someone says something to us. Um, you know, similar to like when you're checking out at Sephora and there's all those little minis at the end of the checkout aisle. That's like a trigger to be like, oh, I'm going to add these things to my cart. That's how they get you on the impulse purchases. So I think for me, it was noticing the patterns in my bank statements and being like, okay, like every, for every two Fridays, I frequently open free people and Lululemon in my browser. And Mm -hmm. that's when I notice I'm shopping. So for me, I just took one little step because it's, it's so hard. Like you can use an analogy like going to the gym. It's so hard to go cold turkey and immediately go to the gym five days a week. So I knew that I wasn't going to immediately cut my spending back. I had to take these really small, consistent steps over time in order to change my behavior. So the first thing I did was I stopped opening shopping tabs on my computer. So I told myself, you know, like you can still go shopping, but if you want to go shopping, you go in the store. And really, I caught myself anytime I was about to type in that store in the, you know, on my computer or on my phone or on my tablet. I yeah. that was like a trigger for me to stop and not open it. And that just doing that, I saw such a significant change in the way that my spending habits were taking place. And, you know, once I could really hone in and um, you know, like master that habit, I could move on to the next step and say, like, okay, now we're gonna limit ourselves to or, you know, we're going to allow ourselves a certain amount every time we go shopping. And it, I just started to do little things over and over like that, that I saw a huge significant shift in the way I shop. And sometimes I'll fall back into those old patterns and, you know, I can kind of feel those feelings come on again. And, you know, I can recognize what's going on when I start to feel those triggers out. Yeah, that's really good to know too. And I think so much of it is once we get that first influx of funds coming into our account, we like want to reward ourselves a little bit. Like, hey, we did mm-hmm. this. And we have that like instant gratification of like, oh, it feels really good that I can now buy this and this and this. And so I love that you started like catching yourself and like putting those limits because it's an easy thing to do, but it's an easy thing not to do as well. So mm-hmm. I think that's a good analogy of like, it's not going to happen right away. And with like those instant gratification purchases, like, you mentioned you don't even remember half of them sometimes. So it's like figuring out what's causing that is such a key uh, to why we keep spending, why we keep going there. Mm -hmm. And did you find like in all of this like influx shopping or whatever, like when you started pulling yourself back, 
would you be comfortable sharing like maybe what some of your triggers of like, hey, like this is how I realized I was spending too much here, spending too much there? I think it was just like a I just felt like a terrible person. It was just like a bad feeling. It was kind of like when you snuck out in high school and you knew you weren't supposed to do it. Like I would just get this overwhelming like sense. Yeah, like I would just get this gut feeling of like, oh my God, you're not supposed to do this. This is not financially responsible. And then I'd be like, I don't care. I'm doing it anyway. And I'd hit bye. And it was like this big rush of like, almost like, yeah, like I wasn't supposed to do it. And, and like you mentioned, you know, then I didn't even remember the purchases. And I think something that I found that's really helped me, uh, and you know, I've been working on this since 2020, it's now 2024. I've been working on this for four years. I'm probably going to be working on this for the rest of my life. But something I found that's helped me is I'll pull the thing up on online. Uh, if I really want to buy it and I know like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't buy this. It's a little expensive or like it wasn't in my budget or like, Ooh, this looks just like something else I have in my closet at home. I mm-hmm. will pin it to a Pinterest board that I just call wish list. Yeah. And a lot of times this this action kind of gives me a really similar feeling of like, oh, like I got it. Um, and it's yeah. funny, just the other day I was going through that Pinterest board and I don't even remember the things that I pinned. And I was yeah. like, I don't even like this stuff now. So it just like proves like it's something if if you're struggling with kind of a similar thing that I've been talking about, just do these little experiments and kind of see how you react to them. And you know, start pinning things on a Pinterest board and go back in a couple weeks in a month or so. And if you don't remember the things that you put there, it's probably a pretty good sign that you wouldn't have wanted it or it wouldn't have added any value to your life anyway if you bought it. Yeah, I really like that. I know Mackenzie talks a lot about like if she's in a store and she's like, ooh, going back and forth about it. She'll like put it away. And then if she leaves the store still thinking about it like the next day or so, then like she can make the decision to go back and get it. But I think just like putting those almost barriers in the way of getting it mm-hmm. will figure out like how much you really want it. So that's really cool. Yeah. I think too with how um, finances can be that instant gratification, how do you kind of start working towards the delay of it, like keeping your goals mm. in front of you, even when it seems like <laughs> we're maybe not making as much progress as we'd like? So – Really, if you have financial goals, you have to get at the root of the why. Like, why do you have financial goals? And this is a big thing that I was able to take from my engineering education and bridge it over into my interest in personal finances. We call it a root cause investigation. Uh, anytime I'm thinking about, you know, do I want to make this purchase on some on a material item or you know, could I have saved it for a financial goal? I asked myself why five times about why I want to achieve the financial goal. So an example of something that I am currently working on is saving for a honeymoon. And I have a deadline of when we're going to go on the honeymoon. I have an amount. So it's, you know, a smart goal that I've set up. And anytime I think about wanting to purchase a material item, I keep relating it back to clothes, but you can really interchange clothes with anything that you might have like struggle spending money on. I struggle spending money on clothes. Um, Anytime I'm like about to be triggered to spend a lot of money on clothes, I remind myself of all these whys of why I want to accomplish the, you know, goal of saving money for my honeymoon. I want to spend quality time with my partner. I want to create memories after my wedding. I want to relax. Like, and I feel all the feelings of what would it feel like for me to be on the honeymoon? So it's kind of like I'm teasing myself a little bit to be like, no, like this is going to feel way better to be sitting on a beach on your honeymoon than it is to buy this 
black t-shirt that you're going to forget about in a month or so, you know? So I think that's like a good trick um, along with doing things like we've talked about, like adding it to the Pinterest board or, you know, sometimes like I, I create a list every year of all the items that I do buy. And I ask myself, um, after I purchase it, how much was it? Did it add any value to my life? Do I like it? Yes or no. What was it for? And, and like doing this workflow is kind of like another trick to my brain to say like, okay, do you really want to buy this item? Cause you're going to have to then fill out these next five questions or like do these next five steps if you do purchase it. So I think it's just all about like finding these little ways to, I guess, gamify or like trick your brain. If it is a spending habit that you personally want to work on or change the way you spend. Definitely. I love that. I mean, it's not always the most fun to have to track our (laughs) finances. It's like a very mundane thing. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I love that you're adding the game side to it because we are tricking our brains. We're making it a little bit more fun so that like one, we can either avoid like all of the steps that we don't want to do or like experience it a little bit more in our brain before actually committing to it. So that's great. Yeah. When you're doing all of this like tracking, uh, how much time do you think you like commit to tracking um, your finances on like a daily, weekly, monthly basis? So I, I'm really big into reading about habits right now. So um, something I've learned okay. through reading these different habit books, um, like Atomic Habits and stuff like that, is that if you want to create a new habit, you have to pair it with something that you are totally used to doing all the time. So when I first started tracking my finances, it was really hard to introduce this new routine into my week because it wasn't something I was familiar with doing. And it kind of made me face some uncomfortable feelings if it was a week that I had overspent. And it was a lot easier for me to just shut my laptop and not do it rather than do the healthy habit that I was trying to instill. So what I started to do is pair it with every Sunday morning when I'm drinking my coffee, I will open my laptop and go through my finances, go through my banking app. And to answer your question, how long does it take? It really only takes me a cup of coffee to do this. So, um, you know, maybe like 15 to 20 minutes is how long it'll take me to do my finances. And so that's why I try to tell people who are feeling a little little hesitant um, when they're thinking about wanting to start tracking their finances is time yourself with a cup of coffee in the morning on the weekend. And, you know, maybe you don't get to filling out every single expense that you went through that week, but you can build on it from there. Just like we talked about earlier um, with the closing the tab as the first step to building that habit. You don't have to go zero to a hundred, you know, cold Turkey on tracking your finances right away because it really doesn't take that much time once you're settled into the routine and habit of doing it. Yeah, exactly. And I, I personally huge coffee drinker. So I would definitely, instill that of like creating the experience, creating the environment, doing something that you want to do, pairing it with something that may not be the thing that you want to look at right away. Like obviously as our finances improve, then it's more exciting. But maybe in the first few weeks, we're like, oof, this is not the funnest to look at. Um, How, like what different things are you tracking when you're doing this? So first and foremost, I like to separate all my finances by category. So that's just really basically like rent or your mortgage, uh, your grocery bill, any expenses that you have for your pet, shopping, eating out. And I'll go through and categorize things in that way so that I can add up totals for every single month. And then I also take 
um, my monthly income and I take each of the totals in each of my categories and divide it by my monthly income so that I can get a percentage of how much I'm spending on each of these categories. And this is just a little gauge that I'm, I'm watching because it can be a signal or a trigger. Like we've been talking about if I spend too much money in an area because I see that the percentage all the way, all of a sudden shoots way up. That means that whoa, all of a sudden I just spent a ton of money in one category, meaning I used up a lot of my income in this one category. Is that aligned with like how I thought I wanted to spend my money this month? Yes or no. And so tracking, spending in different categories, tracking my income. I like to track my net worth because I have a lot of debt payoff goals that I'm currently working on, like paying off student loans and stuff. So I like to, I feel like net worth is a good way to gauge that rather than trying to see how all of your individual debts are being impacted every month. And then I would, I would say another final big one that I'm tracking is just how much I'm saving and investing every single month, because there's a number that I like to try to keep that. I like that to be about 10% of my income. It doesn't always happen that way. But that's another thing that I like to kind of gauge to see where it's at every month. That's awesome. Would you have any advice for our listeners of different areas that you personally choose to invest in or like what you find valuable when we're here in our like late 20s? So I would say first and foremost, there's so much stuff online. And really, if you have a 401k, you can really just focus on that unless you are hoping to have some sort of short-term account that you can access readily in the future. Because with a 401k, a retirement account, you have to wait for the retirement age of 65 in order to access those funds. So if you're looking to invest for something a little shorter, like an example could be maybe in the next 10 years, you have a goal of wanting to build a house. That could be something that you might think, okay, well, I have a little bit of time, so I'm willing to take on a little bit of risk. So I want to put that in a brokerage account so that in 10 years I can access that. But if you're just a beginner and you like all this is mumbo jumbo that I'm saying, and you have a 401k, really all you like need to focus on is increasing the amount that you're putting in your 401k every single paycheck. And typically you can just do this by reaching out to your HR department or opening up the brokerage firm website in which you have your 401k. So um, I'm trying to think of where I have mine. It's blanking right now, but that's like Fidelity or Charles Schwab or whatever. You can adjust the percentages right in there. And the 401k in um, limit for what you can contribute is quite high. I think it's like off the top of my head, I think it's like $25,500 or something like that. So okay. like that's that's a pretty big amount for you to be saving and investing every single year. So like if you're just trying to dabble your toes and like invest a little bit more, I would say start with your 401k because that's likely something you already have and should be a pretty easy one to contribute a little bit more to. Yeah, that's good. And typically a lot of companies will also match. So then you're like getting free money on Mm -hmm. the table right then. Absolutely. That's great. And I think too, um, kind of my last big question per se is uh, when it comes to money, it can kind of be an insecurity for some people. Like how have you kind of um, broken the stigma or like what advice can you give to people to not feel um, so negative about it and just be more intentional with how they're talking about finances? I think it's a good reminder that nobody knows really what they're doing. I mean, unless you are someone who's 
really interested in personal finance like me and you're like always reading up about personal finances or you're like, that's what you did in school and you majored in that, like the average person really doesn't know that much about finances. And so if you're curious about something or if you have a question about something or if you're feeling like you're behind in something, just simply start the conversation with a friend because chances are they're not like this money mogul that knows everything and is doing exactly the right steps with their money. And just having a friend to kind of talk things through and like be curious and have a like critical conversation about these topics with can really help you feel a lot more at ease with your finances. And then another tip I would say, if you don't feel comfortable talking to friends like in real life, look on Facebook. There are so many like Facebook groups and communities that you can join where you can post anonymously and nobody can ever know your identity. And you can ask questions and, or you can even just be like a ghost follower on this Facebook group and see what other people are talking about. Like, I think just, you know, starting there, really getting curious and, and opening up those conversations can go a really long way with removing the stigma of uh, personal finances. That's awesome. Yeah. I think it's so true that there's so many people out there that are just dabbling here, dabbling there. And no one is like, obviously people go to school for finance and stuff like that. But like you said, the average person isn't constantly like reading up on it and tracking every move. (laughs) I think it's important to start like looking at those things because we can get so much farther ahead down the road. Um, So I really appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So we like to ask our uh, guests, what is the thing that you are most intentional with? And what is the thing that you find a little bit harder to be intentional with? Oh, this is such a good question. I think I am most intentional with the books that I read. I'm a big bookworm. Okay. I have we have, have a book over here. Yes, I have a huge running list of books that I want to read. I just think knowledge is power and like I want to I want to know everything there is to know in the world. Like I just always want to be learning. I never want to stop learning. So I I would say the most intentional thing I am is with my reading list. And the least or the the thing I struggle with intention wise, I think is a morning routine. That might sound a little bit surprising, but I have this like weird ADD thing where I will get really hyper fixated on one morning routine and I will do it every day for like 14 days in a row and then I'll fall off. Like I will wake up every day an hour before I have to leave for work so that I can get my like hot girl walk in before having to leave for work. But then I'll burn myself out and then I'll go back to like waking up right before I need to wake up for work. So I'm still trying to find a balance with my morning routine. So that's not as intentional as I would like it to be. Hey, that is okay. I mean, getting up (laughs) that early is not an easy thing to accomplish. And I totally feel that. You do it so often and then it's just like, oof, I need my sleep. So yeah. <laughs> I can I can relate. Well, Libby, we appreciate you um, taking the time out of your schedule to um, share your financial knowledge with us. Um, could you tell our listeners where they can find you, where they can maybe get some of your resources and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, so I'm on Instagram and TikTok mostly at Libby B on the label. And I also have a website that has a ton of free downloads if you want spreadsheets or PDFs. And that's just LibbyBeOnTheLabel.com. 
Awesome. Well, we'll definitely link that for all of our listeners for sure. Um, And again, thank you so much for sharing uh, your knowledge with us. And just we really appreciated your energy. And um, guys, just go check her out because you will be (laughs) happy with what she's sharing for sure. Um, And all of our listeners, we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. If you're not already, please subscribe to the intentional podcast. So you never miss an episode. You can connect with us over on Instagram at the underscore intentional podcast, or by sending us an email to the intentional podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, we encourage you to leave a review and join us right back here next week for our next intention.